0: (laughs) All right, folks, we're glad to see you tonight. Thank you for being here. Everybody stand to your feet. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Let's stand and make a joyful noise.
1: Amen. In your blue songbook tonight, Victory in Jesus, page number 243. Page 243 in your blue songbook, Victory in Jesus. We all know it so well. We'll do all three verses tonight. Page 243.
0: Brother Ken, appreciate that. Let's remain standing for a prayer tonight. I'm going to give you a couple of prayer requests, and then we'll take yours tonight. Want you to pray for uh, Brother CW. He's here tonight, but as we mentioned, he's got some medical issues he's dealing with. Pray for him if you would. Pray for Sister Debbie Craig's mom, Jackie Turner. Uh, Jackie's the young lady that, uh, that sings with uh, uh, Debbie and her sister. She was changing a light fixture, uh, no, a shower head, standing on a stool, fell and broke two ribs. So pray for Jackie, if you would, please. I know they'd appreciate that. Continue to pray for Sister Kyla as she's recuperating from her fall and her broken uh, leg or broken tip, if you would. And then a special request. I've been given permission to share this with you. Uh, About a year ago, Brother Mike Joyce came back into my office and talked to me for a while and asked me at that time not to share it publicly, but he has given me today permission to do so. I want you to really pray for Sister Nancy, uh, his wife. Uh, She is in advanced stages of Alzheimer's. Uh, Some of you may have noticed that the last couple of times they were here, that she just was not, she was struggling, and she's really struggling now. Again, he's told me I could share this. Uh, uh, In the evenings, she doesn't know who he is, uh, and it is... uh, She's deteriorating rapidly, so please pray for her. Pray for Mike, because Mike, in addition to caring for Nancy, is also caring for his mother, who is in a nursing home, and his aunt. Uh, who has uh, uh, a widow with no children, and uh, he told me I could share this as well. Uh, He just said, Preacher, I need some prayers as well, so ask the church to please pray for me. I know some of you uh, know them well and uh, knew what was going on, but until he gave me permission to share, that's a very personal and cruel disease, and I didn't want to share that until he gave me permission, but please pray for both of them if you would. On my left tonight, you'd like to share a public request outspoken tonight. Anyone on my left? Yes, sir, Rufus? All right, absolutely, sir. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Wasn't that a blessing? Amen. Wasn't that a blessing? Thank you, Leanne. Somebody else on on my left tonight want to give us a public outspoken request. Yes, sister. Amen, sister. Absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Miss Linda. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Brother Josh. Appreciate that. I believe I saw another hand pop up over here on my left. No? All right. In the middle tonight, I'd like to share a request. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Pray for Briggs, young man. They'll be doing a, a benefit for him this weekend. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes, ma'am. Sister Cassidy. Absolutely. Thank you, Sister Brenda. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. Miss Albert. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Brother Bobby. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you, Bobby. Yes, sir. Thank you, Keith. Amen, son. Appreciate that. Somebody else in the middle, Chester Wayne. Amen, sir. Appreciate that answered prayer there. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Brother John. Amen. Yep, Brother Drew is in Afghanistan. Keith and Diane's son, that's correct. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Amen. Pray for for that. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. I saw another hand. We'll go, yes, ma'am. Miss Betty? Oh, you need a bag boy? Amen, <laughs> hey, absolutely. Sister Vi. Yes, ma'am. absolutely absolutely you bet absolutely all right anybody else in the middle tonight before we go on yes all right thank you Thank you Courtney appreciate that Wow all right on my right tonight want to share a prayer request anyone is Irma Amen, Amen, Miss Irma. Amen, sister. Appreciate that. That's good, James. Yeah, Amen. I'll second that emotion. Yes, sir. Amen, Sam. I think we can all. I was. We were. We were talking at work today about we all can use a feel good story like that in the midst of the mets we live in. That's a good one, brother Sam. I appreciate that. Yes, yes, Miss Teresa. All right. Yes, sir, brother Vernon. Amen. And bless you for continuing to take such good care, everybody. Lord will bless you for that. Yes, ma'am. All right. All right, thank you, Miss Nadine. Appreciate all of these folks. Anybody else tonight? Yes, sir? Absolutely, Brother Jerry. A lot of you know Brother Jerry from Faith, from faith Back Surgery. Did I say that right? So pray for him if you would. Anybody else tonight? And continue to uh, lift up uh, uh, Brother David Toller. He's candidating at a church, so pray for him. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate you mentioning that. She told me that on uh, Wednesday, or excuse me, on Sunday, that she had some foot surgery coming up. So, pr- thank you for mentioning that. All right, let's join together prayer tonight. Father, we are glad to be in your house, and we're grateful for the opportunity that you've given us to share all of these prayer requests. Lord, we do thank you for answered prayer globally, but Lord also locally as well. We thank you for for what you continue to do and how you show yourself so powerful in so many ways. Lord, as we've heard tonight, answered prayer in little things, but in big things as well. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray your blessings now upon these requests. Lord, we bring them all to you. You've told us in your word to bear one another's burdens, and we're glad and honored to do that. And, Lord, in this capacity, bless now our Bible study time tonight. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's have a song of fellowship, Brother Ken.
1: Amen. Blue songbook again, page number 324. Draw me nearer. We'll do the first verse, of course. Shake hands for a while, page number 324.
0: Let me have the ushers make your way down tonight, if you would, please. Uh, uh, fellas, if you would, make your way down tonight. If you haven't worshipped the Lord with tithes and offerings, uh, if you uh, will do that tonight. Congregation, I want you to turn to First Kings tonight, please, chapter number 18. First Kings chapter number 18. We're going to be continuing our study tonight. Uh, in our series that we've been looking at on overcoming spiritual discouragement. I'm going to pray, and we'll ask God's blessings upon our Bible study time. Father, thank you again for all that you've done for us. What, uh, what, a, what an awesome God we serve, and we praise you for that. Lord, we count it an honor and a privilege, God, to be able this evening to just open up the bread of life and, Lord, uh, be able to study a portion of your word. Bless now. As we open it together, bless this offering in Christ's name. Amen. First Kings tonight, chapter 18, uh, tonight, if you would. Brother Cassidy, they've already taken that back, so I'll let you go ahead and do that now if you don't mind. Thank you so much, sir. First Kings chapter 18 tonight. I want to continue now our study that we've been looking at on overcoming spiritual discouragement. And we've been looking uh, uh, at a topic that is so important to everybody. It is something that all of us face. It's something that all of us deal with. If you haven't dealt with it recently, hold on. Your time is coming. And if you don't deal with it right now, hold on, your time is coming because it is a battle that every believer has to navigate. I said to you a thousand times, and I'm going to keep on saying, if you're saved, the devil knows he can't have your soul, so he wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation. And the way he does that is to spiritually discourage believers. We are continuing to look at the episode of Elijah's incredible conquest on Mount Carmel, because what you're about to see with Elijah is a man who is an absolute study in contrasts. No greater example in Scripture of someone who climbs to the highest spiritual heights but plummets to the lowest spiritual depths. And in fact, as I've shared with you a couple of times, there are many scholars, and I count myself among this number who believe that Elijah perhaps suffered from what today would be called bipolar disorder or manic depression because he is so high and so low. It's interesting, and I always find this fascinating. I say this with complete respect. After the message a couple of weeks ago where we first talked about that, uh, there were a couple of folks who chatted with me and or Renee, and let me know of their own private struggles that they deal with. Dr. Johnny Pope has told me that I can share this. He's given me permission to do that. He shared it with other preachers, and I've shared it from this pulpit. He is my favorite preacher. I think he's one of the most brilliant pulpiteers uh, to ever pick up a Bible. But he has told me and he has shared with others that if it were not for anti medicine, he'd never get out of the bed in the morning. It is something that his whole family has struggled with, multiple suicides in his family. And he said, were it not, for uh, he uses the drug of choice, I won't call the name, but he said, I would never arise out of bed. Why do you share that, preacher? Because spiritual depression can come in a whole lot of areas. It can navigate in a whole lot of circumstances, a whole lot of trials, a whole lot of tribulations, a a whole lot of situations uh, that can lead to this kind of trouble. I'll remind you that the entire nation of Israel, with the exception of a few thousand folks, have given themselves over to the worship of a false god. Never before have things been as bad as they are at this juncture. The nation is led by the worst king in Israel's history, a wicked, wicked, ungodly man by the name of Ahab, and of course, uh, his ungodly wife by the name of Jezebel. Two of the worst people that have ever uh, ascended to the throne of Israel. Single-handedly responsible was Jezebel for turning away thousands of preachers uh, or prophets from the Word of God. Now, after a three-year drought, at the hands of the prayer of, of our prophet Elijah, a showdown is about to happen. They get to the top of Mount Carmel. It's a very flat precipice at the top. And Elijah... Uh, uh, throws down the gauntlet, if you will. He says, who's on the Lord's side? Who's going to stand with me? And there is stone-cold silence. Silence among the prophets. Silence among the people. Silence among the king. Nobody in Israel there, at that point, is willing to take a stand. And at that moment, as we shared two weeks ago, Elijah utters uh, a very dangerous statement where he says that he is all by himself in trying to serve God. Can I pause just a moment and tell you that that is one of the lies that Satan will implant in your mind? That you and you alone are serving God, that nobody is with you, that nobody is joining you. Uh, That is a lie hatched out of hell itself, church. Uh, There are plenty of people who have not bowed the knee to Baal yet, uh, even in our own uh, circles. So it's showtime after Elijah has challenged the king challenge the people, challenge the false prophet to see who will stand for the Lord and nobody rises to the occasion. Elijah very courageously says, fine, if nobody will do it, I'll do it by myself. Let me also pause and say to every believer, whether you're a preteen, a teenager, young adult, or senior saint, there will be times when we have to stand and stand alone. Let me say that again. There will be times in the service of God where we do have to stand and stand alone. But let me also add, if you're standing with God, you're always in the majority. If you're on the Lord's side, you might not see a lot of people around you, uh, but you plus God is always in the majority. So now it's showtime. It's showtime. And I've entitled the message tonight, The Contest on the Mountaintop. The first one was the conquest, tonight's the contest on the mountaintop. Three things that we'll look at. Let's begin reading tonight in verse number 25 of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, let's begin reading in verse number 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, and put, but put no fire under. Underline that if you're writing your Bibles, it's an important statement, we'll talk about it in a moment. They took the bullock, which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal for morning, even until noon, saying, O Baal... Hear us, but there was no voice nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. Three things that we're going to look at together. Number one, I want you to note with me the problems of these false prophets. The problems of these false prophets. I'll remind you that this whole competition is Elijah's idea. Elijah has said, Let's see who God really is. If it's Baal, then we'll say it's Baal. But if it's Jehovah, you all are going to have to acknowledge that it's Jehovah. Everyone agrees to the throwdown, everyone agrees to the smackdown, if you will. And so Elijah now turns to the false prophets and says, You all go first. You find the bullock that you want, you dress it according to what your rituals de- declare, you place it upon the altar. But he's got one condition. He says at the end of verse 25, put no fire under. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, I gave you the description of that. I'll let you know about that. It's a reminder that oftentimes in the worship of these false gods, uh, they would place uh, an animal on the sacrifice, uh, pray fire down out of heaven, but in reality there'd be somebody up underneath who would ignite the fire. It would not burn top down, it would burn bottom up. And so Elijah says, I've got one condition. There will be no fire under. We don't want any hoodoo here. We don't want any shady circumstances. Uh, We're going to see who's really in charge. Notice, if you would, what happens in verse 27. We may not agree with Elijah's uh, 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 wording here, but I think we all have to smile at what he chooses to do. When it came to pass at noon, So that means that they've been at least five or six hours. Most scholars agree that morning, quote-unquote, means 6 a.m. So they've been at this now for six hours. came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. They said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth. And must be awakened. Now, I'm going to pause a moment and tell you that I don't necessarily condone what Elijah did. But I like it. (laughs) I mean, after six hours of hooping and hollering and begging and pleading and them actually jumping themselves up on the altar and praying for Baal to send down fire, there's nothing. So, brother, turn me down. Don't say this often. Turn me down just a little bit, if you would. So after six hours of this, Elijah then turns to the prophets of Baal, 450 of them at least, and says, where is your God? He's a God, isn't he? Maybe he's eating. Maybe he's on a trip. Maybe he's sleeping and somebody needs to wake him up. Can I pause a moment again and say I don't necessarily condone it, but I sure do enjoy it. (laughs) Elijah is making fun of them. He's mocking them. How do we know this? Because of what happens next. Look at their response, if you would. Look at what happens after Elijah makes fun of these prophets. It says in the very next verse, verse 28, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out of them. There's a powerful application here, church. We're going to be real careful with this, but there's a powerful application that one of the ways to demonstrate worship to this false god was the act of cutting yourself and gushing blood, if you would. In Baal worship, This what's called self-flagellation, is an attempt to show your dedication to God. There are still some circles today that practice this. And I'm not talking about cutting like we see sometimes uh, among young folks. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the practice of self-flagellation that is uh, uh, attributed to showing how obedient you are to God. I know you know this, but there's nowhere in Scripture that shows that. But at this moment, these false prophets, as a way of worshiping this false god, are not only begging not only pleading, uh, hooping and hollering and dancing and throwing themselves at the altar, now they're cutting themselves, uh, gushing their own blood on the altar uh, as a way of begging this false god uh, to do something. We go for hours, hours. Let me pause just a moment and say, before we throw too much sand in the face of these folks, there's a lot of that that happens today. A lot of people spend a lot of time pursuing things that have nothing to do with serving God. And let's be clear, folks. All of that, when life is over, means nothing when it's time to cross the Jordan River. You know this, uh, you're the Wednesday night crowd. I get it, but it is important to be reminded uh, that that we look at these false prophets and we look at what they're doing and we look at how they're conducting themselves and we think, how pathetic, uh, how sad, how awful. Uh, but there are so many today who are in the very same boat, pursuing after everything except God. When it all is said and done, when you have to be wheeled out of here for the final time, What matters most is not your worldly pursuits, but what you did with Jesus Christ. So we see, number one, the problem of the false prophets. Now this is where it gets good. We go from number one to number two, what I'm calling the power of the faithful prophet. The power of the faithful prophet. I want to simply make a statement tonight before we get into what Elijah did. This is a testament to Elijah's faith. But it's also a testament to Elijah's calmness in the face of what is an absolute chaotic mess. Let me say that again. It would be very easy for Elijah, and to be frank with you, if I was in his shoes, I'd probably do this, to look over at these people who are making absolute fools of themselves who are acting like a bunch of nut job idiots to look over them and say, what is wrong with you people? Have you lost your ever loving mind? That would be the Greg James Version. Amen. Have you lost your marbles? What is wrong with you? But Elijah conducts himself. After he's done making fun of them, let me add that part on. After he's done mocking them, he conducts himself with such candor Yet at the same time, I think such decorum. I want you to notice the preparations that Elijah makes. There are five things that Elijah does before he asks God to devour the sacrifice. I want you to look at them carefully. The five things that, that Elijah does, I'm calling these his preparations, that he does so that God can actually act upon what the request is. Notice, if you would, verse number 30. Uh, let's go back to the verse twenty nine. Go back to verse twenty nine. Came to pass when midday was past, that they and the prof, prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Now that's six o'clock, folks. So if we started at six a.m. and we've gone to six p.m., we know that this has gone on for probably twelve hours at the least. It's nine hours if they started at nine a.m. We know that it's gone on for 9 to 12 hours, and it's been nothing. To the point, if you keep reading, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Now, we don't know how many of the non-prophets were up there, how many of just the Israelites were up there, but ever how many there were, everybody lost interest. Can I pause a moment and say, I'm going to lose interest after about 10 minutes. Forget about 8 hours. Amen. I mean, after 10 minutes of this foolishness... uh, I'm saying that's enough, but we're talking about hour after. You can tell they didn't have cell phones or something else to do to occupy their time. Hour after hour after hour after hour. They're watching this mess. 450 prophets chanting, hooping, hollering, screaming, dancing, throwing themselves on the altar, cutting themselves. Hour after hour after hour. Now go, if you would, please, to verse 30. Elijah said unto all the people, here's number one, come near unto me. There are five things that I'm going to show you that Elijah did to make this sacrifice possible. And the first one is he called everybody in because he wanted them to watch closely. He called everybody close because he wanted them to see what was about to happen. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. I often get asked questions like, Pastor, what do you think about this group? And I'm not talking about denominations. What do you think about this entity? What do you think about this group? What do you think about this thing? And here's my pat answer, because I think it's exactly what Elijah is doing here. We got to be real careful about any belief that says you got to do something in secret. Can I say that again? Any truth or any belief system that tells you that things have to be hidden or done in secret, they can't be revealed publicly, that don't pass the smell test to me. Because what I understand is Elijah has called everybody close and says, I want you to watch firsthand what's about to happen. Anything that happens here, you can see it with your own eyes. So number one, he calls everybody in to watch. Number two, notice verse 31, Uh, the rest of verse 30, and all the people came near unto him, notice the rest of this, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Verse 31, how did he do it? Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom The word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. A reminder that during this period of idolatry that had gripped the nation of Israel, they had allowed the altars dedicated to God to crumble while building up the altars to the false idols. Can I pause a moment and say we see that happening all over this country? We see that happening all over uh, as we allow the things that are dedicated to God oftentimes to crumble uh, while the things that don't mean a hill of beans is what we, what we sink ourselves into. At this moment, Elijah very wisely takes 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes. He lays them out. He repairs the altar, rebuilding the altar uh, to let the people know uh, that this is God's Jehovah. This is the Lord their God. This is Yahweh. Uh, This is the one that brought them out. Uh, This is the one that named them. Uh, This is the one to whom they owe everything. I think it's Elijah's way of saying, I'm still on the Lord's side. He builds an altar, or I should say repairs an altar. So number one, what does he do? He brings everybody close in. I want you to watch. Keep your eyes open. I want you to see all of this. There's no hoodoo do here, no hocus pocus. Number two, he rebuilds an altar, 12 stones. Keep reading. Notice, if you would, the next part of this. Let's go to the end of verse 32. Let's read verse 32 at all. With stones he built an altar the name of the Lord. Made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Now, that, that that gives us a size, and the size of it really doesn't matter. A measure of seed is about four pecks, uh, so we're talking about uh, a size of a trench that would hold about a bushel of seed. So we've got an altar here, and it's not very large, probably about half the size of our, of our remembrance table, if you would. Elijah has to the side of it built stones as a replica for an altar to the Lord. He's dug a trench out around it, and keep reading. Notice verse 33, star it, put an put a exclamation point around it. It is so important. He put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and notice the next phrase and put it on the pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood this this verse is laden with importance laden with importance because Elijah by taking the bull cutting it up burning it as a, a sacrifice is doing what is commanded in Leviticus for a sin offering. You understand that every type of offering had very specific ceremonial, situational circumstances, animals that had to be followed. And, and what Elijah's doing now is giving a sin offering, I believe, as a way of asking for forgiveness for the nation of Israel for what they've done. But he doesn't stop there. So number one, he's called everybody close. Number two, I hope you're reading with me. Number two, he's told them, uh, we got to rebuild the altar. Number three, he said, we got to slaughter for a sin offering. And then let's read the next part of verses 33, 34, and 35. Again, he says, four, fill four barrels with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So right now, how many barrels of water have we poured, church? Four. He said, do it a second time. So now how many barrels of water have we poured? Eight. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. How many barrels of water have we poured now? Twelve. Twelve stones representing the nation of Israel. Twelve barrels of water. I think it's a barrel of water for each of the doubting tribes a way of showing that even their doubt, even their refusal to acknowledge God. You understand, folks, and I know you know it, but you understand that if you want to ignite a fire, the last thing you want is a barrel of water, much less twelve. So Elijah says, pour water upon the burnt sacrifice. Good, thank you. Do it again. So they did it again. Good, thank you, fellas. Boys, let's do it one more time. So they did it again as I told you two weeks ago, the young boy in the Sunday school class said they were making the gravy. Amen. The reality is, I think that Elijah is doing something that is quite brilliant. There is no, when the fire falls from heaven, there is no way anybody can say this is anything but God. Why? Because the wood's wet. You know what happens when you try to ignite wet wood. You don't get fire. You might get smoke if you're lucky, but you probably ain't going to get diddly squat. So Elijah, that's that's the King James version of it. Elijah is very wisely saying, douse it, douse it. So now the altar's wet, the sacrifice is wet, and the, the, the trench is full of water. Keep reading. He's called the people. He's done the burnt sacrifice. He's rebuilt the altar. He's watered down the entire business. And now notice what happens. Look at verse 36, if you would. Came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, which is 6 p.m., that Elijah the prophet came near and said, please note what he says, church, Lord... God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Anywhere from 9 to 12 hours, the false prophets are hooping it up. They do all of this rigmarole and nothing happens. Elijah lays out the burnt sacrifice, douses it with wood 12 times, prays a 63-word prayer. 63 words compared to 12 hours. Sixty-three words that took less than probably two minutes to say as compared to a 12-hour bunch of hoopla that amounted to nothing. And I have no doubt that Elijah's standing back waiting on God. I'm astounded by what Elijah prayed for. I'm astounded by what Elijah didn't pray for. Would you listen? Let me give you the what he didn't pray for first. He didn't pray for rain. What did they need at that moment more than anything? It wasn't rain. They needed spiritual revival. Before they needed they thought all they needed was some rain. What they really needed was some spiritual rain. So you read what Elijah prays for. He prays very clearly and very specifically for God to be glorified. He prays for the prophet himself to be vindicated and for the people to be revived. He knew that as badly as they thought they needed rain, they needed something even more. Let me pause a moment and say, I think that's where we find ourselves as a country today. I mean, I'm—I I, I, got to be clear. Now, I know things seem to be progressing in some ways a bit better spiritually. Uh, but at the same time, we also have to recognize that as a nation, we are far away from where God wants us to be. And the problem uh, is a, a three-letter word, church, called sin. So when Elijah is asking for revival, what he's praying for is for God to take care of the sin problem. This was at Elijah's heart. Well, what happens? We go from... What I called the preparations to the prayer to what is this incredible proof. Look at what happens. And the order here matters, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed, here's the order, the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. (laughs) Why does the order matter? Because if the fire's coming from below, do you know what gets consumed? That which is underneath. But very clearly, this was not some hocus-pocus hoodoo on the part of the prophet, because it was consumed from the top down. The sacrifice. What's the sacrifice on? The wood. What's the wood on? The stones. What's the stone sitting on? The dust. What's around the dust? The water. And can I tell you, this is Gregology, but I believe I'm right. It happened like that. Boom, done, over. After 9, 12 hours of a bunch of junk, Elijah gives 63 words. God, please do it one more time. Step back. Boom. Done. Over. Mm. Some of you are sitting in here tonight and you've been in Elijah's shoes. You've witnessed God do the miraculous. You've stood back. Can I pause a moment and say oftentimes it is so hard to do the stand back part. Amen. Amen. You know, when, once Elijah has built the altar and placed the wood on it and placed the burnt sacrifice and done the water bit, all he can do now is pray and stand back. I don't mind the building part. I don't even mind the praying part. But I can't stand the stand back part. You know why? Because I'm going to confess something to you. When you stand back, you got to let it go. And I can't stand that. I'd rather keep my hands on it. That way I can fix it. <laughs> I can take care of it. But when we stand back and we ask God to do it, that's when he can intervene. You know, it's something else I noticed. And maybe some of you have heard this before. I haven't. If you will understand me and hear what I'm about to say, the whole place was surrounded by false prophets. The whole place was surrounded by Israelites who had turned their back on God. Fire in the scripture is always a type or an image for the judgment of God. Always. So if fire's going to fall from heaven and judge somebody, it should have judged them people. What should have been consumed was the people. After all, they, the ones that had sinned, But what did it judge? The sacrifice that was on the altar. The sacrifice that had been burnt, cut up, and became the sacrifice for them. What an image. What an image. Before hundreds of years, in fact, 1,200 years-ish before Christ would ever be born, God's already painting a beautiful picture of Calvary. He's already painting a picture of the one who would become God's judgment, God's sacrifice for your sins and mine. I don't know about you, but if I'm one of them prophets of Baal, I'm about to wet my britches. Amen. I'm about to get slapped, toe out the frame. Preacher, I thought this was all about spiritual discouragement you're going to see next week this is Elijah's mountaintop literally and spiritually and listen to what I'm about to say and now the enemy's mad now the enemy's mad and who do you think he's got in his sights Elijah you listen to what I'm about to say as I close you serve God You get close to God. You bring your family close to God. You do what you know what you're supposed to do, but you also prepare yourself because there's a battle coming. The enemy is not going to allow you to stay there without a battle. And I've said so many times, this is where we lose believers. They have an incredible spiritual mountaintop. But then reality smacks him in the face. And that mountaintop becomes a deep dive into a cliff. And the enemy begins to whisper. Isn't he brilliant? I mean, doesn't he say exactly the things we don't need to hear? And before you know it, we forgot about the mountaintop and we're dwelling in a place where no believers meant to dwell. Life's not always mountaintops. But we weren't saved to live in the middle of the valley either. We're going to look at that next week. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Now the enemy's mad. And my, 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 what he's about to unleash on Elijah is a whole lot of mess. There's a lot of believers who've walked in both of those. You've walked on the mountaintop. you've walked through the middle of a whole lot of mess as well we always have a church closing prayer time tonight if you want to make your way to the altar come on you can do that you can come pray but I'm going to dismiss this in prayer as we gather together Father I want to publicly again thank you for this powerful passage Lord it's the experience of so many of your children Lord you take us to the greatest heights Lord The enemy doesn't like that. Life happens. Trials happen. And the enemy does everything he can to knock us to the lowest depths. Lord, as we look at that over the next couple of weeks, we look at the whole series of mess that that the enemy unleashes upon Elijah. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate for us our own ways out of spiritual discouragement because, Lord, if we don't get out of spiritual discouragement, spiritual discouragement becomes spiritual depression. Before we know it, we've walked away from the very God that loves us and died for us. Lord, again, I want to say, as has already been said, thank you for a church that's open on a Wednesday night. Thank you for believers who recognize the importance of Bible study opening up the Word of God and applying it in a practical way to our lives and sharing burdens and prayer requests. Lord, I pray your blessings upon these great folks here at SAGBC, the leadership of this church. Help us to be a blessing in this community. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here. Drive safely. God bless you till Sunday morning.